Hey there, I'm Nicole Gilbert, and you're listening to the Stop Scrolling, Start Sewing podcast. Are you new to sewing and want to start quilting but have no idea where to begin? Each Wednesday, join me as I share the ins and outs of that quilt life. If you haven't got a sewing machine, have no idea where to stick that bobbin, this is the podcast for you. Hey there, Nicole here, and welcome to episode 51 of the Stop Scrolling, Start Sewing podcast. I am so glad you guys are here for me today because I have an extra special treat. If you are listening to this on the day that it airs, originally airs, June 2nd, you have uh, a very special opportunity. The doors to the Modern Quilters Academy Learn to Quilt in 60 Days are currently open, but are closing tomorrow. So this is your last day to join me inside the community. We already have so many lovely people who have chosen to participate. And I think that this is going to be a very, very special um cohort of the class and I'm very very excited about it and one of the things that I did this week was I hosted a live workshop where I really broke down my learn to quilt framework what's included kind of the key stages and I wanted to share that experience with all of you literally hundreds of people registered to participate in this workshop and we had so much fun so I decided to post a replay. Please take note. I speak about kind of everything I'm thinking at this point in time. And I think that you will get immense value from participating and listening to today's episode. But I do mention, uh, you know, the Modern Quilters Academy and lessons and all of that. So please take note if you are listening to this after the original air date, the doors are closing on June 3rd at 11.59 p.m. So you need to, if you choose to to enroll, you'll have to do that before that date. Um, And if you're listening to that afterwards, I'm so sad and I'm sorry that I missed you, but hopefully we can work together again in the future. All right, guys, let's get sewing. Hey, folks, welcome to the five key steps to learn to quilt and get it right the first time. I am your host today, Nicole Gilbert, and I am beyond excited that you've chosen to share your evening with me. Before we get started, uh, I'm going to give just a few minutes to let kind of the last few people trickle on in. uh, And why don't you guys hop into the chat and let me know where you are joining us from. Hi, Regina. Regina's from New York. Guess what, Regina? I'm in New York too. Okay, I see a bunch more people starting to stream in. Sue is from Worcester. Brenda from Tennessee. We're a military family, so we actually used to live in Tennessee as well. Claire in Ohio, welcome, welcome. Thank you guys all for spending your evening with me. It means so much to me. 
are you guys evening people or morning people? I've got small kids, so I'm I'm not sure if I'm an evening or a morning person. Kansas City, Christine. Hello, welcome, welcome. Regina, you're a morning person. Oh, you would love my kids. Let's see. Oh, originally New York, now humble Texas. We spent some time in Texas as well. And we have some of our team members uh, currently live in Texas. Okay, guys. So I'm seeing you guys starting to stream in and I love it. I'm so excited that you're here. I don't want to wait too long to get started because we do have a lot to cover today. Um, and I want to make sure that we maximize our time together. So while everyone is still kind of popping in, people are, are streaming into the chat. Let's do a quick little tour of the workshop here in Zoom, just for any of you guys who are not familiar. So across the bottom of your screen, you're going to see a little bar and there's the button for the chat. So if you want to open and close the chat, uh, you can press that. If you want to ask a question, I love questions. I will answer them all. Uh, but if you want to ask a question, just because as you can see, as people talk, if I ask a question, things kind of get lost in the shuffle, go ahead and you see that little button on the bottom that says Q&A. If you click that, you can submit a question. And then that way it doesn't get lost in that feed of the chat. Um, if any questions get submitted in the chat, Abby's here to take care of you guys and, and she'll grab those out for us. Uh, but it will make uh, make sure I don't miss them if you put them in that Q&A section. Uh, just so you know, this uh, presentation, it will be me speaking directly to you just like this. Uh, and then you will also see slides similar to that starting slide that was there as a placeholder uh, while you guys entered. So you will see both. Uh, so if I disappear and you can hear my voice, but you can't see me, don't worry. It's supposed to be like that. We're going to be popping back and forth. Uh, some things are just easier if you have a visual in front of you. Okay. So we went over all the questions and kind of the guides around there. Uh, so let's kind of dive on in, guys. So in this workshop, I'm going to show you how to become a confident quilter. Uh, by the end of our time together today, you're going to learn why your setup is affecting your finished quilt tops, simple piecing tweaks to uplevel your points, and the finishing techniques uh, other quilters are skipping, and so much more. We're going to go over a lot of information today, uh, and I'm really, really excited about everything I get to share with you, but I want you to stick with me to the end to learn how you can get a free one-on-one -on -one session with me, no matter where you live. Uh, this is one of my favorite things that I get to do, and I love that I can share the opportunity with all of you. So do you remember back in the in the before times, the pre-COVID times when we could all actually go to the movie theater. Uh, and there was this little dancing popcorn and would tell you to turn off your phone. This is my version of the little dancing popcorn. So let's go ahead, turn off all your distractions. It's just me and you for the next hour. Okay. Awesome. So there you guys go. Um, I want to start this workshop with a fun little lesson on color theory. 
for many quilters, no matter how good they get at piecing and mastering various techniques, uh, fabric pulls are still a stumbling block. Uh, and it's actually this is actually one of my favorite topics. The reason why it can be a stumbling block is it, it can be incredibly frustrating when your quilting is outpacing how well you're pulling your fabrics, because what happens is you end up with these beautifully made quilts, but the colors are not quite balanced and they're not working well together, even though they match, if you will. Um, and, it, and it can be quite frustrating. So let's head on over. I'm going to show you guys a color wheel so that you can kind of have eyes on this while I'm talking. Um, but let's just get, like the right fabric pull every time is very easily achieved. All you have to do is be able to apply these basic principles of color theory. So the color wheel, we're going to hang out on this slide for a little bit because I really want you to get familiar with this color wheel. The color wheel is the foundation of color theory. An understanding of where the individual colors sit on the wheel and in relation to one another is crucial to really take that next step with your color theory. I suggest everyone has access to a color wheel, either a physical color wheel or a downloadable one. Um, it doesn't have to be anything fancy schmancy by any means. Uh, actually, Abby, if you wouldn't mind um, my favorite color wheel, the one that I, cur I currently use, Abby is going to drop a link to the one that I use in the chat so that that way you guys kind of have reference to it um, and, and in case you want to uh, use to, to get one of your own. But uh, color relationships is really going to be the foundation of color theory. And it's what you're going to base your fabric pulls upon. So common relationships uh, in the color wheel spectrum, you have, uh, you know, your primary relationships, your secondary colors, uh, complementary relationships, analogous relationships, and split complementary relationships. There are several more complex ones, but once you have this series of five kind of under your tool belt, you'll be able to apply them to some of the more complex uh, relationships. So I want you to take a look over here on the color wheel. You can see that uh, we have the colors kind of labeled by what section of the uh, color spectrum that they fall within, meaning uh, are they a primary color, a secondary color, or a tertiary color? Primary colors being yellow, red, and blue. Your secondary colors are colors created when you mix the primary colors together. So we have orange made with yellow and red, we have purple made with red and blue, and we have green made with yellow and blue. And now that now the same exact principle trickles down to our third tier or tertiary colors, and those are mixed with the primary color and a secondary color, and the tertiary color is between them. Now, very common color scheme, especially with small children, is a primary color scheme. You'll notice most children's uh, toys come in this. It's both a learning tool and also bright, vibrant colors for them to kind of wrap their heads around. Uh, now, 
a secondary color scheme is basically the same exact thing as a primary color scheme. It's just shifted, meaning it is three colors that have three colors between them or are equally spaced around the color wheel. So you'll see yellow, red, and blue are the same distance between each color as if you picked green, orange, and purple. So your primary and your secondary relationships are very, very similar. Now, complementary. This is when we start to see how the colors actually play off of one another. A complementary color scheme is when we have uh, colors on the opposite sides of the color wheel from one another. So yellow and purple, or in this case, just to make it easy, teal and vermilion. Those are directly across from one another. That is our complementary color scheme. This is very common in sports teams, high school mascots, really any two color, uh, color schemes are typically going to be complementary color schemes. An analogous color scheme is actually when the colors are side by side on the color wheel. So if you had yellow, amber, and orange, or let's say we did violet, blue, and teal, those are analogous color schemes. And now our last one is a split complementary color scheme. And a split complementary color scheme is the first one that gets a little tricky, but it's wonderful once you kind of nail it down. Now, what you do is you would decide what color you absolutely wanted to include in your quilt. Let's say you need to have purple in your quilt. Uh, I personally almost always need to have purple in my quilt. Just a little tidbit about me. Uh, but if you needed to have purple in your quilt and you were to use a split complementary color scheme, the, what you would do is you would go across to find the complementary color, in this case, yellow, and you would choose the color on either side. So for a split complementary color scheme that includes purple, we're going to use chartreuse and amber. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, the reason why all of this is important, and I know that was a lot of information on one slide, uh, and then also while you're looking at this, and if any of you have, have gone over to look at that color wheel, you'll notice that there's also tints and shades. Those are all the same color. A tint is that color plus white. That's how we get our pastels. And a shade is that color plus black. That's how we get things like navy and maroon and things of that nature. So they're all kind of the same color. It's just on the sliding scale, depending on if it's a pure color in the center or if we've added white or we've added black to it. Now, I know, I know it's a lot, a lot of information. So hang with me, but there's a reason why all of this is so important. When you're able to analyze colors used in your favorite patterns, oftentimes we go shopping for a quilt pattern and we fall in love with the picture of the pattern on the front. And then you're like, that's beautiful, but I want it to be pink. What you then would do is you would look at the colors that the original maker chose and analyze the scheme that they used. And when you can put it into one uh, of these pigeonholes, whether it's a triad, meaning primary or secondary, you know, three colors equally apart on the wheel, um, or it's split complementary, or it's analogous. Once you figure that out, you then say, well, I wanted pink in the thing. You find pink on the color wheel. 
And you then just plug in the rest of the formula to figure out what the other colors are. And the reason we want to do that is that's how our quilts remain balanced. A lot of times uh, we end up favoring certain colors. I will always put purple. I will always pick teal. I will always pick turquoise. It's just in my DNA. I love those colors so much. Unfortunately, what ends up happening is that I very rarely would on my own choose reds or yellows or oranges. And by following principles of color theories, those colors still make their way into my quilt and balance. And when we have color balance, it gives a place for our eye to rest. Oftentimes, quilts will look too saturated um, and a little too busy, and it's because we haven't balanced it out. And so you'll look at this quilt and be like, well, it's beautiful. I love the colors. I put everything exactly where I wanted it, and yet it's missing something. And oftentimes that comes back to the color theory. Huh, you guys, I could talk about this topic all day. I love color theory so, so much, but I wanted to give you guys uh, just that quick lesson right off the bat so that you can kind of check one off the list. So why are you here today? Uh, many of you are here because you feel frustrated of, from all of the conflicting information that you're finding on the internet. It's kind of the name of the game when you're looking at YouTube and Facebook and you're putting all the pieces of the puzzle together on your own. Some of you are here because you feel frustrated uh, that you're always going to feel like a newbie quilter. Maybe you've started to quilt on your own. You've attempted to try. You're making, you know, five inch square quilts or strip quilts or jelly roll race quilts, uh, but you can't seem to get past that. And it's frustrating because you want to get to that next level. You're just not there yet. And so you need some of those holes filled in. No matter which way you feel, whether it's the frustration or the overwhelm, or you just need more information, um, all of you know that there has to be a better way. And you guys, spoiler alert, there is, I promise. Um, and I know that a few of you are going to ask this question because this is like one of my favorite quilts from this past year that I made. Uh, it is a courthouse step block and the quilt's uh, actual pattern was by uh, a wonderful designer. Uh, she uh, produces quilts under the name Thimble Blossoms. And this was the Sweet Escape quilt. And I used Tula Pink's True Colors for the fabric. Um, and it's just, it's just a darling quilt. I love it. Um, but over the last 10 years of quilting and instructing, I've created my own framework for quilting that has seen me make hundreds of quilts and allowed me to assist countless students. Once you've learned my framework and techniques, the only search you'll do before you're sitting down to sew will be for the next episode of your favorite show. Um, I shouted out Bridgerton here because I've seen it one too many times. It's kind of always on the loop while I'm sewing. Um, hopefully that's not just me. Uh, but let's first break down what this framework includes. So where are we going on this little journey today? First, we are going to start with your foundation. And your foundation is your setup. Then 
we'll move on to discuss your fabric choices from types of quilting cotton, a little bit more on color and how to get prepared for the quilting process. Then the third stage will hit where we'll discuss the rules of piecing uh, and kind of, that's kind of the meat and potatoes. That's what everybody thinks of when they're thinking of quilting, it's the piecing. So that's there in step three. And from there, we'll move on to creating your quilt sandwich. And your quilting is what makes your quilt a quilt. Uh, and then to round out the framework, we will go and discuss the finishing techniques. And this, I would say, is the number one stage that will separate you from the rest of the quilters out there when done properly. Because so many quilters are skipping so many of the steps in this stage. And after that, I will give you a chance to work further with me. And uh, mostly because I'm already getting questions asking if there are more ways to work with me. And I know I'm giving you a lot of information. So I will give you um, a little bit more on that. And then we will finish our session today with a live Q&A session. And I will answer all of your questions. So please, 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 as you have a question, go ahead to that toolbar across the bottom of your screen, hit that Q&A button and submit your questions. All right, guys. Oh, what did I do? See, I'm not, I'm a quilter, not a tech person. Okay, let's get started. So first, your setup is going to lay the foundation for your quilting. Comfort and efficiency is key when quilting. Oftentimes, students in my classes will share their frustrations, and many of them stem from setup issues. Quilting is a hobby, and it should be joyful. Like, I want the people in the back to hear that. It should be joyful. And I think that the best way to get set up and get up set up properly is to go with a three-station approach. And those three stations are a cutting station, a sewing station, and an ironing station. And I want all three of those stations to be set up at the same time. And I know, I know you're saying, uh, but Nicole, I for sure do not have a sewing room or a large sewing space. And that's okay. When I started quilting, I was setting up a card table in front of my couch in my living room. My cutting mat was on the floor or the dining room table, and I had an ironing board set up. And even though I had to pack it all away at the end of each session, I learned that it made my life so much easier if I actually did have all of those stations set up when I chose to quote. Obviously, there's going to be here times here and there where you don't need everything, but for the most part, you will. And what the quilting process includes, even if you've cut everything out, you will then chain piece, you know, 10, 20, 30, however many pieces together. You're going to have to then cut all those pieces apart. And then you're going to have to go iron and press those seams to set your seams. We always press. And so in one task, you will end up 
at your cutting station, at your sewing station, and at your ironing station. And when we have everything set up, you're going to be way more efficient. Things are going to move way more smoothly. Now that you aren't stopping between tasks to set everything up, you're smoothly moving from the tasks, which means speedier finishes. And when you have speedier finishes, you get more satisfaction. Remember, this is a hobby. We're looking for joy. So sometimes you're using these words like productivity and efficiency, but really it all leads back to enjoying yourself more. You will enjoy yourself more. I guarantee it. Now, the next key stage that we're going to discuss is choosing and preparing your fabric. And before you pick your fabrics, you'll want to choose your colors. Now, remember what we talked about earlier? I think that the best way is to pick a color and then follow your color theory rules. That is going to be your biggest help. And honestly, it takes a lot of the guesswork out. Sometimes when you're in a fabric store and you have hundreds, if not thousands of choices, depending on where you're shopping for your fabric, uh, you can get stuck in overwhelm. And when you just pick a color and you say, you know what? I picked purple and I'm getting chartreuse and amber. It is, that's what we're doing. And it will look beautiful and it will work out wonderfully. It makes your life easier, I swear. Now, not only do you have to pick your color, you'll also have to choose pattern density. Pattern density comes down to, uh, I mean, it's how dense the pattern is on the fabric, but the way to look at it is, a low volume quilt uh, print has a lot of background space between the printed pattern. A medium or balanced density will have as much background or negative space as it does pattern. And a high density uh, pattern will have less background space or negative space than it has a pattern or a print. And we want to distribute that equally across the pattern that the quilt pattern that you're doing uh, across the patchwork piecing, if you will, uh, because just the same as you need balance in your color, your eye needs a place to rest. I recently made a quilt that is basically a hot mess express. And even though I kind of love it because it's a little crazy and there's a time and a place it's a craft, it's an art, but it's got equal pattern density throughout all of the fabrics on the quilt. And it's kind of chaotic, even though if you look at the individual patterns on the individual fabrics, it's not chaotic. They're relatively simple patterns, but since they all have the same density, it looks crazy. Uh, so you want to have a mix of low volume medium and high density uh, throughout your quilt pattern and you want it to be evenly distributed. Now, when we're actually shopping for our fabric, there are going to be two main places that you're going to shop for your fabric. Uh, and that's excluding online retailers because most online retailers still kind of fall within these two categories. You'll have your independent quilt shop, 
also known as your local quilt shop, and you will have your large discount retailers. And there is a lot of back and forth on which is better. Um, and that's kind of not what I'm here for today. What I'm here to teach you is no matter what you choose, whatever is the best option for you, you need to know how to properly prepare your fabric. Now, typically quilt shop fabric, local quilt shop, independent quilt shop, however you want to refer to it, uh, tends to shrink less and bleed less, which means you don't necessarily need to wash it. You don't necessarily need to starch it before you start using it to quilt. On the other hand, uh, discount retailer fabric tends to shrink a bit more and has the propensity to potentially, not all the time, but potentially bleed. And so you'll want to wash those fabrics so that any of those issues happen before you sew them. We don't want any puckering or oddities to pop up when uh, we are actually sewing our seams. The worst thing that would happen is you go through everything, you stitch it, and then you wash it, and you shrink around your stitches, and that creates ripples and bunching. Uh, sometimes it's pretty minor, and sometimes it's pretty offensive, depending on what you're making. Uh, so keep that in mind. So, whew. we have now decided, depending on our fabric, are we going to wash it or not? Are we going to starch it or not? I personally uh, only starch my fabrics when I am using a lot of pieces that are very small or will have a bias edge, meaning that the edge is cut 45 degrees in relation to the selvage or the grain. Um, so it's got a little bit of a stretch to it and the starch solidifies that. Um, it really uh, keeps that from getting loosey-goosey on you. There are people out there who starch every single thing. Just remember, and this is my one hard and fast rule for preparation, what you do to one fabric, you do to them all. So if you are going to wash one fabric, you wash them all. If you're going to starch one fabric, you starch them all. Then we're going to go on to pressing. Everything needs to be ironed before we get to cutting, just to make sure we don't have any wonkiness in our cutting. Um, rotary cutting. See, I get off on little tangents, guys. Rotary cutting is another place where you'll pick up efficiency. Uh, back in my green days, um, I actually created a quilt using five-inch squares. Uh, for some of you who are more familiar, you can now purchase things called charm packs, which are five inch squares of a given fabric collection. Uh, but this was pre-charm pack. I'm dating myself just a smidge. Uh, but this is pre-charm pack. And I had no idea about rotary cutting because you don't know what you don't know. So it never even occurred to me to Google how to cut. Because like, who doesn't know how to cut, right? So it, that never even crossed my mind. So I was just like, okay, I need five inch squares. I'm going to cut them out. I spent with a regular ruler and a pen drawing five inch squares and then cutting them out with scissors. I, it took me about 
three weeks what I could have cut in about two hours if I had been using a rotary cutter. So get to know your rotary cutter, get comfortable with your rotary cutter, get comfortable with your acrylic ruler. Uh, For those of you who have smaller hands or weak wrists, I do suggest um, looking into a uh, ruler grip. It will make your life so, so much easier when it comes to holding that ruler in place. But mastering rotary cutting, especially across the width of your fabric, is an efficiency game changer. Now, there are not too many rules to cutting. It's pretty, pardon my pun, cut and dry, if you will. Ha, I'm here all night. Uh, But we want to make sure that, one, we're always cutting off the selvage. For those of you who are not familiar with what a selvage is, the selvage is the tape that runs along the edge of your quilt fabric. Uh, It can be, typically it's white and it has the name of the designer, the name of the production company, the colors used in that pattern. It's kind of like the card catalog for your fabric. Now, not all fabrics have this printed on it. Sometimes the edge is just, uh, it's it's print all the way to the edge, but you will notice that that last half an inch is woven a little bit differently. Uh, it's a little bit tougher. We wanna always take that off. Pretty obvious with the white stuff because you don't want that to show up in your quilt top, but that other stuff just kinda, it mucks up the quality of your quilt finish. So we wanna cut those off. And then we always want to cut with the grain to avoid stretching. So we've spoken about the selvage and I I quickly touched on bias earlier, but cutting with the grain means you are going to cut parallel or perfectly perpendicular to your selvage. If you were to look really, really, really close at your threads, you will see a crosshatch of how they are woven together. And in that hatch, perfectly parallel to each of those individual threads, that's the grain. Cutting 45 degrees across that is what's referred to as the bias, and that's where you get your stretch. This is why I tend to starch my triangles, because every triangle has at least one side on the bias, and that can get a little wonky and a little loosey-goosey because it does stretch. So as I'm beating it through my machine, things move a bit. Okay, I know we're doing a lot of information here. Thank you guys so much. Now, if we're moving on to key stage number three, uh, this is kind of, this is the stage where we're piecing your quilt top. And this is what most people think about when they're quilting. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where you'll see the quilt you envision come to life. And there are some key components to this stage. The first decision we're gonna make whenever we're sewing is whether we're going to pin. Now it's like to pin or not to pin. I personally do not suggest pinning uh, any pieces of material that the seam is going to be six inches or shorter. Uh, And that's because you would put your pins in, you would align it on the bed of your machine to go under your needle, And you're gonna remove the pin before you go under your needle. We never wanna sew over our needles. That's how we break needles. That's how we have bad, bloody accidents. That's how we mess up our machines. 
So we want to pull the pins out at six inches. You're kind of going through that really quickly. It's actually going to just slow you down and you have enough hands on that small of a piece of material that you aren't going to like lose your stitch. Uh, so I don't suggest pinning under six inches. Now, I always, always, always pin for block alignment or um, element alignment, if you will. So if you are doing a quilt pattern where your half square triangles have to line up because they have to create a the look of a flying geese unit, you got to pin that to make sure that that lines up properly. If you have a star block where you want the um, negative space of one to be the uh, outside space of the other, you're going to want to pin that. Uh, when we're connecting rows and blocks to one another to make sure that we have nice continuity and everything's lining up, we're going to want to pin that together. And when we're pinning those together, you stick that pin right in the seams right in the seams, exactly where you want it to stick together, that's what you pin. Let anything else get wonky, but if those are the only things that you pin, you will end up bang on 99% of the time. And always let common sense prevail. Uh, one note that I know I'm gonna say over and over in this is uh, you, this is a hobby, this is a craft, this is an art, and I want you to find the joy. Nobody found the joy sticking to all the rules. Rules are meant to be broken. Remember that rules are meant to be broken, um, but use your common sense. You know, you're a big girl. So I just said rules are meant to be broken. And now I've got a hard and fast rule for you. Ha ha. Uh, but we always want to maintain a quarter inch seam allowance. Now the quarter inch seam allowance, for those of you who are not aware of what a seam allowance is, let me back up just a smidge. Uh, to make sure that uh, I am speaking to everybody in the room. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar, a quarter inch seam allowance or really any seam allowance is the space between your seam and the raw edge of your fabric. Now we wanna maintain a quarter inch seam allowance um, for several reasons. One, we want consistency throughout our quilt, especially when we're following a quilt pattern. There is a seam allowance for a reason. And when we have the use the same amount of seam allowance always, the quilt turns out properly. Um, now, if you don't use all of the same seam allowance all over the place, uh, it you will get misalignments. Things will not add up and you'll be like, how? I followed the directions perfectly. A lot of times it's the size of your seam allowance. Uh, you might notice here, um, I know earlier I said, every time you're, you're setting a seam, you're gonna press it. You might notice in this photo, we've actually pressed it open. I like pressing my seams open personally, but there are certain things that you have to do in order to make an open seam last. I would say I teach all of my beginner, advanced beginner students to press to the dark side, uh, meaning both pieces of that seam allowance get pressed to the same size so that they kind of encapsulate that seam and it's a little bit stronger. Uh, but when you get a little bit more confident with your stitches, you get a little bit more confident with your machine and you get way more confident with your quilting, you can start to uh, 
color outside the lines, guys. And that's why I have included this, this photo of my open seams. I love open seams personally. And of course, we're always, always pressing. It is the most crucial step and so many skip it. I do see the questions coming into the chat box. I promise I will answer them all. Um, I just want to make sure we get through this heart of the content and then I promise I will answer all the questions. Um, we're going to press our fabric uh, as soon as we're done in the washing, starching phase, pre-cutting. And then every single time we sew a seam, that seam is going to get pressed. So the seam allowance is going to get pressed to the dark side or open. And that is what is going to allow our blocks to stay, to lay nice and crisp and flat. It's also going to be what allows us to nest our seams properly. Uh, so we really, really don't want to skip this. Uh, you will see people skip it occasionally. I think it's it's skipped less and less. Uh, I think we've finally kind of beaten the dead horse a little bit with all of our students. Um, but the occasional time where it gets skipped, you notice in the final quilt, like, don't be that guy. These are the little things that make the big difference. So I know I'm going over so, so, so much right now, but can I get a yes in the comments if this is all starting to make sense? Uh, go ahead and drop a yes in the comments just so that I can make sure you guys are with me. I see them coming in. Thank you, Claire, Regina. Um, Awesome. I know this is a lot of information, guys. You guys are awesome. Oh my gosh. I really shouldn't be allowed to use technology, guys. Okay. Now we're going to move on to the fourth critical stage of the quilting process. And this is the construction of your, um, this is the construction of your quilt sandwich. This is where your quilt changes from being just your thin quilt top to resembling something you actually want to cuddle beneath. So you have to make a few choices at this stage. Um, and in some ways, and, and I go through this with my students, um, in some ways, you do want to make some of these decisions a little bit earlier in the process, but they're relevant to this stage in particular, uh, your quilt sandwich. You will want to choose uh, your batting. And for those of you who are not familiar, batting is the wonderful warm stuff, for lack of a technical term other than batting, uh, that is in between the backing fabric and your quilt top. And your batting will determine the weight and the warmth of your quilt. And it will also align with the type of quilting you choose to do. Um, and we'll go into the different quilting methods in a moment. But uh, there are several different types of batting. Uh, we have the natural fibers. So we have cotton, wool, bamboo. And then we have um, polyester. And I think there's even this new stuff that's like, recycled plastic bottles. Um, I haven't personally used that one, but I'm intrigued. I'm not going to lie. I've seen it a couple of times. I've been like, mm, there's a time and a place for that. I haven't used that one yet. And then there's also blends and blends are just a mix of 
Typically, they're usually a mix of polyester and one of the natural fibers. Uh, and each one has its own merits. Uh, we want to take in consideration the person who's going to be using it, whether there's any allergies uh, that you should take into account, um, how warm you expect it, you, you would like it to be. Obviously, a wool quilt um, is going to be quite warm. Polyester quilts typically end up being quite warm, but that's more because they don't breathe as well. Um, again, because it's polyester, it's a synthetic uh, material. Uh, so we want to keep those things in mind. Also, our natural fibers tend to be thinner batting. So even if the weight is a, a super warm wool, it tends to be thinner. Now, this is where it aligns with the type of quilting that you choose. Because if you want to accentuate how you quilted your quilt top, you would typically go with a polyester because they're fluffier. There's they're higher volume. And so in between those stitches that you put in for the quilting, they're going to puff up and they're going to really, um, they're going to really accentuate the quilts. Now those thinner ones are better for, you know, stitch in the ditch, echo quilting and things of that nature. Once you've chosen your batting, it's time to baste. And you can baste in two different ways. Um, I wrote digital versus analog, that's funny. Um, but you can either choose to pin baste, which is uh, kind of the traditional classic way of basting and spray baste, which has gotten to be incredibly popular. I tend to do both. It really depends on uh, the project. Uh, but what basting is, is you would take pins that look like in this image, they look very much like safety pins with a curved edge so that you could pin and you would pin every, uh, depending on the size of the quilt, probably every four inches or so. So pretty densely across the quilt top to hold it in place so that nothing slides or shifts while you're machine quilting it. Uh, you can also spray base. Spray base is basically an aerosol adhesive that you would spray on and smooth your um, your quilts onto, uh, and it sticks together. I do find that if you're manipulating your quilt a lot or it's a very large quilt, that adhesion tends to give out. So that's kind of why I do both, depending on the size of the quilt or the complexity of the quilting that I'm doing. So this is this image here uh, shows actually me spray basting. So I've sprayed down on that what looks like just kind of almost looks like carpet. That's actually the batting. I've sprayed spray adhesive to it and I'm actually pushing and flattening that quilt top onto that material. And so that is spray basting. That is a small quilt. It's a lap quilt. Um, and so you can get away with just spray basting something like that. Now we're going to move on to actually permanently putting our quilting, our quilt sandwich together. And this is when we're actually putting our quilting in. Now, there are two main categories. There is straight line quilting and there's free motion quilting. And you will need slightly different setups on your machine to be able to accommodate those. So let's start there. Let's start with what you need on your machine. For straight line quilting, we are going to use a walking foot. 
And for free motion quilting, you need to be able to drop the feed dogs on your machine and use a darning or an echo foot um, or like a ruler foot. I see some people do that. Uh, that's okay. I wouldn't suggest it, but that's fine. Um, unless you're actually using a ruler. But that's kind of those machine setups. There's every machine has slightly different settings. Uh, but you free motion, the main thing is you have to be able to drop those feed dogs. Everything else will kind of come into play. Now with straight line quilting, you can do two types of straight line quilting. You could do stitch in the ditch, which means that you actually sew right in the seams from your quilt piecing. And what's really great about that is it accentuates your piecing. So ones that you do super cool quilting uh, or piecing rather, or have a really awesome quilt pattern that you just want to accentuate the elements that are already there, straight line quilt, stitch in the ditch for sure. If you want to accentuate the elements while still having it be a little bit jazzier, um, I would, I would go with echo quilting. It's one of my favorites, to be honest. Um, I do one method. I refer to it as stitch by the ditch, which is like a quarter inch off of the ditch. So I'm outlining some really cool key elements of the quilt. And then I will do it again. But instead of using the ditch as my marker, I will use that last stitch I used as the new marker. So it kind of echoes itself, hence echo quilting. And you can get some really cool custom lineage and custom quilting off of that. A lot of times people think, oh, well, if I want that really great custom quilt look, I have to free motion quilt. Uh, and that's not actually the case. Um, you can do a lot with what with, with those uh, more basic skills. Uh, now, free motion quilting, that's when you get those big swirls and meanders and flowers um, across the quilt tops. Uh, it's beautiful. It, it truly is. Uh, but that typically uh, is its own layer of artwork. And so instead of accentuating the uh, quilt pattern that you've already created, it, it more aligns with adding another layer of artwork, which I'm here for. I'm always here for another layer. It's just a different decision to make. If you were free motion quilting, I would choose a batting that's a little bit puffier so that you can accentuate the, that. If you are straight line quilting, I would choose a flatter batting so that you can um, really let the patterns piecing um, tell the story that you're trying to tell. Whew. All right, guys, now this fifth and final step of the quilt making process is finishing. And this is the place that, not that quilters skip it, but quilters think that there's one step here and there's actually quite a few things that you can do. Um, because there's, there's just so much more to the finishing process uh, than just binding your quilts. Um, so do you know when you get a beautifully made pair of shoes or a handbag and you're looking at the little details that make it really stand out? Maybe it's the stitching or the special bit of hardware that just makes it feel extremely well-made. The steps you take during the finishing process make all the difference in the world. These are the types of little things that set your quilts apart. So first, 
let's talk about preparing to bind. A lot of people are like, okay, I quilted it. Now we bind it. No, no, no. First, we are going to square it up. While you're quilting your quilt sandwich, your stitches will push and tighten your quilt top and it will most likely be slightly out of shape. So not a perfect rectangle, not a perfect square. You'll want to square it up so that you have 90 degree angles at each of your corners. Many quilters, especially new quilters, don't use quilt labels. And I believe that is such a mistake. Quilt labels are like a scrapbook or a catalog for your quilts. You'll be able to look back on your quilts for years to come and know when you made it and the fabrics that you used. It is also especially useful for archival purposes when you gift your quilts. Um, I have like this romantic notion idea in my head that one day my children's children's children will be snuggling under one of my quilts and they're going to get a kick out of the fact that it says Fort Campbell on the back. And they're going to ask, you know, why was this lady I'd never met at Fort Campbell? And they're going to hear all about my husband's military career and this whole thing. I've got, I romanticize quite a bit, but quilt labels are great uh, kind of memory trackers. I'm not a scrapbooker. Quilting's my jam. But these quilt labels, they help. They they help tell a little bit of your story. And it's kind of like the signature at the corner of a painting. Most painters would not finish their painting without signing the corner. Why are we not putting quilt labels on our quilts? Just kind of keep that in mind. I know, guys, I know. Okay, so once your label is attached now it's time to bind your quilts. And you can use store-bought bias binding, but I personally, I prefer to make my own uh, using complementary fabric to the fabrics that I use in the quilt top. I usually use either one of the fabrics that I use least in the quilt, or I use a fabric found at the center of the quilts. And though that's kind of how I choose my fabric. Um, and I cut two inch bias strips, meaning I cut strips out that are long ways along the 45 degree angle to my selvage. And then I bind it. And you can see how I, in this photo, how I clip them on. Those clips are called wonder clips. Uh, there are several different uh, types of clips out there. I just tend to like wonder clips. Um, I find them really easy and you can find really inexpensive versions of wonder clips because the name brands are a little um, pricey for my, for my personal taste. And you can totally find uh, more inexpensive versions, but wonder clips is how I like to attach those. Um, and you can use both bias tape, bias strips or green strips. Now, um, bias strips, because there is a slight stretch to it, will move better around corners when you're trying to make your miters. Uh, it's also the only thing you should use if you're making like a circular quilt or, or you're binding something with curves because it's going to stretch around the curves easier. Now, grain tape is great if your quilt top 
the edges of it are on the bias. So like, let's say you're using something that has all triangles and the bias edge of the triangles are around the outside edge of your quilt top in order to give that thing some structure. And so that it's not stretching around the edges, put green tape around it. And that's going to really hold it in place. And now when we're attaching that bias tape, you can do two things. You can either put it on by machine or by hand. Um, when you are doing it by hand, you are going to attach the piece on the back first using small running stitches. And then you're going to fold it over the front, clip it and small running stitches. Machine binding, you can do two ways. You can cross your fingers and pray. That's what I call, that's what I call this first method. The, the pray it works out okay method, which is clipping it the way that you see in this photo and then sewing straight down, hoping you catch both ends. It's not really a great way to do it. Um, it is quick though. So I will say, I'm not even gonna lie, that quilt that I have thrown in, I use for soccer in the mornings on Saturday mornings, that quilt has that type of binding attachment method used on it. Cause I just wanted a quilt. I was like, okay, we need to lay, have something to lay down. I will typically, when I'm machine binding something, bind it on the, attach it on the back and then fold it over so that the seam is hidden inside the fold over and then attach it down the front. And that is how I machine bind uh, my quilts. So I know that was a lot and we have so much to go over in the q and I'm so excited. Uh, but just a quick recap for you. The five key steps and stages to the quilting process to make sure, and all the little bits that will help you make sure you get it right the first time. We have the setup. Then we have our fabric choices. We move on to our piecing and patchwork. And then our quilting choices. And then our finishing steps that really kind of put the gravy in the sauce. Who thinks of these idioms? I don't even know if that was correct, but those are our five key steps to the quilting process. When you have a proven framework, learning to quilt can be quite straightforward. I know I went through a lot of information today um, and then I just kind of summarized it in like the world's shortest slide there. Um, but would you like to have a personal quilt instructor to walk you through this process? Um, because you have two options here. You can stay confused and keep hunting and pecking all over the internet, or you can follow a proven guided roadmap to get the results you desire. I would love to invite you to work further with me uh, inside the Modern Quilters Academy Learn to Quilt in 60 Days. In this course, you will learn the tools you'll need and what you can skip as far as stocking your quilt room or your sewing space. You will learn to choose, prepare, and cut your fabric with ease. You will learn piecing skills that will take you from beginner to intermediate level. You will learn how to do half square triangles. You will learn how to do flying geese. You will learn how to do quarter square triangles. You will be able to piece beautiful star quilts by the end of this. Uh, lessons with me. Uh, 
And you will also learn both straight line and free motion quilting. We'll go over our finishing techniques and learning these skills. Um, learning these skills in a shop would require you to participate in several different series of classes and many of hundreds of dollars. But uh, these are kind of how our lessons are set up. We go from module one, and I know this is reiterating a little bit, but we're gonna get you set up with your three stations, all the supplies you need at each one of them, um, and actual like breakdowns of exactly how you should set up each area. We'll then move on to choosing our fabric. We'll use color theory. We'll discuss preparing and cutting our fabric. We'll do piecing and master all those techniques I just mentioned. Um, and we will go over the quilting and how to finish your quilts. Um, so what you're going to get is a on-demand library of tutorials and weekly live support. Uh, but because I like to do these kinds of little freebies and things for y'all, because I think you guys are great, I'm also including a bunch of these bonus packages. So we'll have Sewing Machine 101. For those of you who are not as confident with your sewing machine, I go through kind of all the nuts and bolts of the sewing machine, of sewing needles, of sewing a straight line, how to properly wind a bobbin, all of those little things that can be stumbling blocks for beginners, I've got you covered in Sewing Machine 101. And I want you guys to know, um, I know there's gotta be some of you who are thinking, well, this is so easy for you. Look how comfortable you are with all of this and you've been quilting for so long, but honestly, I'm not special. I made a lot of errors as I learned to quilt, which is why I put this course together. I've made the mistakes so you don't have to. So when you enroll in Modern Quilters Academy, learn to quilt in 60 days, you'll receive the comprehensive lessons and live support for the entire quilting process. You'll also receive Sewing Machine 101 to get you up to speed on your machine and make sure you're ready to start quilting. And in addition to that, You'll also receive a special live color theory workshop for you and your classmates. In the past, this has been something my students have absolutely adored. And those who haven't participated in the academy have even ventured to ask how they can pay for it. So when you join me inside Modern Quilters Academy, Learn to Quilt in 60 Days, while I'm still live here in this workshop, you'll receive a one-on-one -on -one digital lesson with me. Uh, we can discuss any portion of sewing machine and quilting process. Uh, we can go beyond even what the course offers to some kind of real upper level stuff. If you so choose, the sky's the limit. I'm here for you. The final bonus in the package um, is what I personally think is the best bonus. It's the private Facebook community and weekly Q&A. One of the biggest downsides to learning kind of piecemeal online is that there's no instructor feedback. When you get in a jam, there is no one there to help you out. I'm always in the group. I'm joining the discussions and answering the questions. Our community is amazing. The support from your classmates and the MQA alumni is invaluable. On top of all that, every week of the course, I'll be live in the group 
answering every single question submitted, as well as reviewing that week's lessons. So you are never on your own. So when you enroll in Learn to Quilt in 60 Days, you'll receive the six core modules and lessons, which is a complete system that will teach you how to quilt top to bottom, all the nuts and bolts. Plus, you'll receive three amazing bonuses, the Sewing Machine 101, Color Theory Workshop, and the private Facebook community and Q&A. I could easily charge well over $500 for this. And if you were to attempt to learn all of these things via in-person lessons, you would easily pay double that. But instead, I want to keep this accessible to everyone. And I'm offering enrollment for this time at $147. If you would like to enroll, head on over to NicoleGilbertQuilts.com slash enroll and choose one of two options. You can either pay in full for $147 or you can get started today for just $55 with two additional payments monthly after that. And I have no doubt that this framework works. But if during the first 30 days of the course, you do the work and you don't believe it will work for you, just contact our team show the progress that you've made, and we will happily refund your money. If you're committed and follow my framework, you won't have any issues. Guaranteed. When you head to NicoleGilbertQuilts.com slash enroll, you'll see this screen. Scroll on down and hit that enroll now button to choose which plan you'd like to grab. Once you've completed your enrollment, you'll land here, the confirmation page. Here's where you'll start getting your instructions on how to log in as well as get access to that private Facebook community. While you're reading the goodies over on the confirmation page, I'll pop into your inbox with all the details about logging in, the Facebook community, and what you should expect. Enroll while I'm still live on this workshop and receive your special fast action bonus of a one-on-one -on -one quilting lesson with me. When it's time to log into your course, you will see this. You can choose to dive straight into the course with the new student orientation, or you can start with Sewing Machine 101 if you want to kind of go over some of the, the basics. And inside the course, the modules and lessons are laid out like this with an easily navigated layout and progress bar to let you know exactly where you are, no matter if you log out or not. So it will keep pace with you. If you're ready to join me inside Modern Quilters Academy, Learn to Quilt in 60 Days, head to NicoleGilbertQuilts.com slash enroll to get started. You're here because you're frustrated with hunting and pecking information online. You're not able to develop beyond very basic quilting and you want someone to just show you the way. And you also know that there has to be a better way than what you've been trying. I've made all the excuses before. Number one being, I don't have time. I know I needed to make a change. I have three boys under the age of six and y'all, it is busy in this house. But carving out time for myself became more of a need than a want. And I am so much happier for it. And I want that for you. Most of my, my students, myself included, if I'm being 100% honest, 
start on basic entry level machines. The best quilting machine for you is the machine you already have. I'll show you inside the course how to outfit your machine for quilting and what settings will assist you with getting the most out of your sewing machine. And I know that somebody's going to say, I'm not a good enough sewer to do this. Do you know where the power switch is on your machine? Because if you do, you know everything you need to learn to quilt. Because everything you need beyond that is here inside this course. No worries. I've got you covered. Okay, guys, it's time. Head over to NicoleGilbertQuilts.com slash enroll. So now that you guys know how we can move together further, let's jump into our Q&A session for the last 15 minutes or so. If you haven't asked your questions yet, drop them in the Q&A box below so that I can be sure I answer them. As we continue and any new questions pop up, just keep on submitting them because I'm here to help. If you'd like to take advantage of the fast action bonus and receive that one-on-one -on -one quilting lesson with me, don't forget to enroll before we hop off here today. Okay, guys, let's go. All right. So let's get this going. I'm so excited to answer all the questions. You guys have had phenomenal questions. So, okay. So I'm going to kind of hop around here. Okay. So how long will it take me to get through your program? The course is eight weeks and I encourage you to devote one to two hours for the lessons within the module and an additional three to five hours doing the work. Um, and some weeks it will be way less. Some weeks it'll be a little bit more. It'll really depend on um, what kind of time you have, you have lifetime access to the course. So there's like no behind in learn to quilt. Uh, but, uh, if you wanted to like be done and have it hundred percent beautifully finished quilts in eight weeks, I would say, you know, one or two hours for the lessons and, um, three hours or so, uh, to do the work. Uh, let's see. Um, Let's see, Christine. Christine says, do you prefer pins or clips for holding your fabric together? Okay, so I use flathead pins. Um, I like wonder clips, but I tend to do that when items are a little bit bulkier. Um, I don't know if you kind of see other things that I do online and all the things. Uh, when I'm making bags, um, I will use wonder clips pretty much for everything. Um, if I'm using a material where a pin will pop a hole in it, like if I'm using vinyl or some certain types of nylon, I will use, uh, water clips. Um, but for general patchwork piecing, it's going to be a flathead pin. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll do that. Uh, yay, Regina, congratulations. You just joined. I'm so excited. I can't wait to work with you. Um, let's see. Christine Phillips. Oh my gosh, Christine. I love it so, so much. Okay. How do you look for backing material fabric that is all one size? Sew together many. Oh, this is a good one. So do you want to sew together many different pieces? How do you want to go about that? So you could do both. Um, so there's such things it's called 108 inch wide fabric, and that will actually cover 
the entire um, back. I mean, I think it, it will do a queen size. So you just pick how many yardage you need by 108 inches wide. It's huge. You could do that. Or you can piece. Uh, depending on how bespoke or custom I want it to be, I will piece the backing occasionally. Um, I very rarely do like quilt blocks on the backing. Uh, when I'm piecing the backing, it's more like general big chunks, uh, swaths of fabric. Uh, but um, I just personally don't like, because when you're quilting, there's a lot of alignment and you want the quilting to look good on the front and the back. So if you have blocks on both sides, that can get a little, a little risky to line up. Um, but the easiest method is 108 inch fabric or using standard 42 to 44 inch wide fabric and then piecing large yardage together to kind of cover the backing of your quilts. Um, and also from Christine, does spray basting mess up your sewing machine? No. Um, what? So there's different types. I use a temporary spray based, which is also why it kind of unsticks if I'm manipulating it too much, but this won't gum up your machine. Uh, Cause that's typically what happens. Some, some of the heavier, older styles of spray base, I don't know if there's much, um, that there's many brands that still make them like this. They're, they're thicker. Um, and they almost leave like a silicone coating on your needle, which then gets into your bobbin case, which it then becomes like a gunky, yucky mess. Uh, that doesn't really happen anymore. Um, and when you, you use the temporary spray base, it doesn't really happen. Uh, but that's a great question. Um, okay, so what size uh, quilt do you say is too big to only spray based with? Um, I wouldn't go more than a generous throw. Um, and that's just because in order to quilt it on a, a domestic sewing machine, um, I'm going to tilt out of here. So this is a domestic sewing machine. It's also the largest domestic sewing machine you can purchase with 13 and a half inches here of space. I'm still going to be rolling quilts to get it through this, this monster back here. Um, and every time you roll it, the base is gonna get a little bit less adhesive, kind of a bummer. Um, so I would say a lap size. Uh, let's see, um, I'm going out of town next month. Will I get behind on the quilt? You don't have to worry about that. Uh, will I get behind on the projects? No, you have lifetime access and ongoing support. So even if, you know, you take a week off here or there, you have access to all the the, um, the lessons. All of our live sessions in our Facebook group are in the, uh, will like live on uh, in the Facebook group. So you can go back and watch them whenever you want. Um, we even have, and this is kind of like spoiler alert. It's kind of a surprise, but I I'm terrible at keeping surprises. Ask my husband. I tell him everything. Like Christmas is ruined on November 15th. But um, I actually also have an alumni experience. So you'll have ongoing support for me for a very long time. <coughs> oh, my apologies. Um, will I be able to ask questions if I get stuck? Oh my gosh, absolutely. I am so available. I... This is like my baby. I love 
speaking with each and every one of you. Um, and I'm in that Facebook group all the time. I'm doing those live Q&A sessions all the time. And I am nothing more than a DM or an email away. Absolutely. You have so much access to me. Uh, what do you use to write on your quilt labels? Sharpie, embroider the words on. Okay. So I have in the past um, used a Sharpie. I don't do that anymore um, simply because uh, there are some different uh, methods that I've, I've kind of gotten better. You can embroider it. Honestly, I think that's kind of more work than necessary. So cool trick. And uh, for the students, don't worry, I'm going to teach you exactly how to do this. You can take freezer paper and fabric and baste the fabric to the freezer paper and load it into your printer <coughs> and print onto the fabric in whatever font you want, whatever. And it's like beautiful. And you can attach that right to your quilts as your quilt label. And I'll explain all of that uh, deeply in module six, our finishing module. Um, but uh, it's pretty cool. Another alternative is Etsy. Um, I have in the past purchased like sheets of like a hundred quilt labels that are just like handmade by Nicole Gilbert, 2020, you know, pandemic quilts, whatever. And I got like a sheet of like a hundred of them. And then I could just attach each of those on there. So less information, um, but you don't need to, to share kind of everything. You can always just put name, date, location. Uh, if you're going to be submitting your quilt to a show is when you're going to want to put more and more information on there. Okay, Regina, my problem is measuring and cutting consistently. Can you help? Yes. Oh my gosh. This is one of those areas that um, it's, it's amazing because you're like, I'm measuring, I'm cutting, I can count. It's very simple math. Why is this coming out off? A lot of times it's not necessarily your measuring or your cutting, it's your tools. And I know you're going to expect me to say like, oh, it's because it's blunt or whatever. No, that's not what I mean. Your cutting mat has lines printed on it and your ruler has lines printed on it. Those lines are different thicknesses. And when you align one on top of the other and you do all the counting and you cut, you end up losing like a 16th of an inch. True story. Another issue that a lot of people have is that their quilt scooches on them. Their, their rulers kind of wiggles on them a little as when their hand is pressed upon it, it'll kind of shift one way or the other. Um, a good workaround for that, especially if you have smaller hands, so you don't want to kind of do the inching game or uh, you have weaker wrists or some sort of carpal tunnel is to use one of those quilt grips. Um, I always, you always see them in Bad Bath and Beyond as like safety handles in the bathtub. Those are amazing ruler holders, like amazing ruler holders. Um, and that can really help keep it steady. Um, a lot of it can also be body positioning. You really want to square your hips and your ankles. I know this is so funny. I can just like hear my husband in the background, like you take yourself way too seriously, but it's like, it's, it's a fact. It is what it is. Um, yay. Oh my gosh. It's going so fast now. My email's like kind of like 
popping up. Uh, Bryn, congratulations. Welcome, welcome to the Academy. I'm so excited to have you. Um, let's see. What else do I need to buy in order to see results with your program? So you're going to have to have, there's nothing in addition to what you would have to have to quilt to get to get through my program, like nothing. Um, this program is everything you need in order to learn to quilt. Now, there are supplies that you're going to have to get. Um, and don't worry, in that first module, I go through all of the things you should have, all of the things you should skip you know, the investment purchases, the things you can scrimp on a little bit. Um, we, I go through all of that um, in, our, in our first module, but those are also the things that you're going to use forever. You're going to continue to use those. Um, so do you need to purchase more things? Yes. But if you were planning on doing some sort of craft, like it's, this is a replenishable thing. Like you're going to have to buy more thread. You're going to have to buy more fabric. As far as being able to complete this course, no, there's nothing beyond this course that you need. All right, guys, let's see. I'm so excited to be here with all of you. Okay, so I see there are quite a few of, few of you still in here. Let's see. Now, if you're still here with me, go ahead and uh, drop in the comments, like, I'm still on the fence because, and then I want to see, like, what are your answers? Like, why are, why are we on the fence? Because I want to ask, answer all of your questions, guys. Like, I'm here to help. Also, side note, Shirley Barksdale gets an extra thumbs up for me because she was super punctual. She had everything together and uh, she's a girl after my own heart. I am early to everything and like super squared away and Shirley, thumbs up, you're awesome. So let's see, let's make sure all of those are going through. Abby, is stuff coming through on your end? Let's see. I am so excited to welcome you guys into the Academy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Please let me know if you guys have any other questions. I'm always happy to help. For those of you who have chosen to join the Academy with me. Oh, hi, Claire, I see your hand raised. What can I do for you? Can you want to drop it into the comments and I can answer any question I may have missed? Uh, those of you who have chosen to join us and want to do that one-on-one -on -one lesson, we can do the one-on-one -on -one lesson either um, prior to starting the academy um, and we can kind of go over your sewing machine setup and, and all of those things or we can wait till we get a little bit further down the road uh, in case anything pops up that you just want more one-on-one -on -one time with me. So we can do both. Okay, Claire, looks good. All right, guys. All righty. Thank you guys so much.
for coming out today. It looks like we've answered all the questions and haven't. There we go. Yes. I haven't gotten anything more. If there's anything I can do to assist you, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can always contact me at Nicole at NicoleGilbertQuilts.com. I am happy to help. Have a great afternoon, guys. Bye for now. Okay, folks, there you have it. I know that we went over a lot of information in that workshop, uh, and I'm so glad that you listened uh, throughout this entire episode. I know it was a lengthy one. Uh, remember, if you are interested in joining me inside Modern Quilters Academy, Learn to Quilt in 60 Days, you have until midnight on June 3rd to participate. Uh if you have any questions, head on over to NicoleGilbertQuilts.com slash enroll. And I look so forward to seeing you inside the course. You have just finished another episode of the Stop Scrolling, Start Sewing podcast. Don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Now stop scrolling and start sewing.